You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, welcome to Built for the Stage podcast. This is Joe Roscoe, founder of Built for the Stage, Broadway's number one fitness platform. If you want to try a free trial, go to the website builtforthestage.com or click the link in the description of this episode and you can work for seven days with your own Broadway fitness coach on an online app. So check it out. No catch, no gimmicks. Builtforthestage.com. If you like Built for the Stage podcast, please rate, subscribe, and leave a comment. It'd be greatly appreciated. All right, please enjoy this conversation. We're in Times Square, and we're gonna have a great chat. Sarah is from the great state of Florida, Ugh. right? Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she's so proud. Listen to her. I am. I'm proud. Um, Tell me about Orlando, like, growing up. How many times have you been to Disney? 18? 19? Oh, 35? God. My mom worked there. There you so go. So I would go to school on the premises. Um, they've got something called Kinder Care for Disney. So I went to I went to kindergarten, Kinder Care, all of that, on site at Disney World. And Mickey would come during lunch, and we'd all be like, hi, Mickey. It was not exciting. And we were so over it because we were children of Disney. And so if I was good on Saturdays, my mom would let me go to one, well, she'd take me to Magic Kingdom and I was allowed to ride one ride. So I caught the bug early and I was like, why am I not doing this? My mom's like, well, you're tiny. So I always knew I wanted to perform. I feel like usually the episode's around like 30 to 45 minutes. I kind of want to talk about Disney Kindercare for the entire episode. <laughs> like... I have never heard of such a thing, and uh, it's like being a military brat, but instead of military, you're like a Disney kid. Exactly. That's what it felt like. Incredible. What did she do at Disney? She was in charge of conventions at the resorts, so she ran those, and which gave me my love for themes and inviting people over and theming a party. Okay. My father all began. You were... With a little a, hostess. Yeah. Okay. My mom did that on a, you know, big scale. So that's something I love. All right. So you said, like, you just got immersed in it immediately. So what yeah. did you start doing when you were younger as far as performing goes? I wanted to dance. And so my mom said, well, you have to be potty trained. So I quickly potty trained. Um, <laughs> so, I could, so I could, you know, put on the little shoes and 
So then I was like doing ballet and tap, which is hilarious because not like the greatest tap right, right now. <laughs> but um, anyway, so yeah, I was doing little baby ballet and tap and I loved it so much. And I ended up um, being more of a gymnast at the beginning. I was training for the 2018, no, 2008 Olympics. Um, and then decided I didn't want to do that, but kept dancing. So I joined the dance competition team. I did that for 10 years. And at some point during that time, I met uh, somebody who worked for Showstoppers Dance Competition, and he told me that I should start voice lessons if I ever wanted to be on Broadway. So I did. Started voice lessons when I was like 12, 11 or 12. And then I didn't really put all three together until high, like late high school. I did one of the musicals, and I was like, yep, this is it. This is mine. This is for me. And then I went to musical theater college. So Point Park in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. That's where you went to school for musical yes. theater. Yes. And I was a dance minor. There you go. Mm -hmm. It's a very, um, it had the reputation of being the quote unquote dancing musical theater school. Yeah. Right? Yeah. At least when I was auditioning. It's, in I, like, I think it still does. Yeah. Maybe more weight to it now. I haven't followed up, but when I was auditioning, I remember Point Park being like, oh, that's the school where the dancers go, for sure. Yeah, it's where the ensembles come from. There you go. I like to think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's of course. cool. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. I mean, there are plenty of people in the business that are thriving in you know with their principal contract, but I ha I've had the experience that all the people I, I was looking up to and people that I'm presently working with... Um, are in the ensemble of Broadway shows and they all went to Point Park and I looked up to a lot of them and a lot of them looked up to me and now we're all here together. Yeah. It's funny how that works, you know. Yeah. People seem so old or young yeah. to you when you're in college and then you get into the real world and age just goes away. Yeah. Completely. I find. What I, what did you think of Pittsburgh? Um it took me a minute because I was coming from Florida where there was always sun and suddenly there was gray and and daunting gray like you know, seasonal depression gray. And I didn't appreciate it at first. And I also didn't have a winter coat. Um, <laughs> um, I didn't have a proper winter coat and I had Nikes that had cutouts in them. They were for the beach. And uh, my roommate and current best friend, um, still, she took me out to Macy's and we got me a puffer coat. I really got off topic. Pittsburgh. So that's that's on topic. I think Pittsburgh. The struggle is real up, in Pittsburgh really as far is. as the cold goes. But I have to say, I ended up loving it. And by ended up, I mean it didn't take me long to love Pittsburgh. I just needed to, and I feel like this is the same with any city. In order to love something, you have to have your own memories there. So the second you can establish some memory of joy in a place, then you begin your relationship with the city. So at first when I moved to New York, I didn't know if I loved it for the same reason. I didn't have any memories here. Now, I'm like sitting in the middle of Times Square and I actually, my heart swells because I remember being 16 over there, taking a picture with that view. And I, I, I remember watching myself on the marquee for the first time right over there in Paramore. And I've been on this one too, but right now this one's not functioning. But I've also watched the ball drop from here. And and this is my actually my stop. I live down the street, so this is my subway, and this is my hood. 
and I've done a show in that Broadway theater and in that Broadway theater and now you know so now you have memories in a place and now it feels like home yeah. so I feel like any place you can adapt to and that's how I felt with Pittsburgh just the people between the people and my lessons learned there I I actually miss it and I crave it and sometimes it makes me kind of sad and sentimental well it's it. just a quick five and a half six hour drive on 80 west and you could be right there in yeah, pittsburgh it's not that far i actually went back last summer for hours to see to say bye to the playhouse they're tearing it down yeah. and i had a lot of firsts and important things happen in that theater and i just wanted to pay my homage to it before they tore it down Um, so speaking of adapting, you had mentioned that you had a, a knee injury come up in your career. I did. And you had to obviously make some adaptations in the midst of that. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, well, I call it paying my dancer dues. You know, every now and then, you, what you do, doing this job, you know, you can get hurt. And I did when I was 24, and um, I dislocated my knee during Can Can, the Broadway-bound musical um, that never came sadly but I was doing a lot of tumbling and a lot of gymnastics in the show and my I was tired and I had I was like kind of overstretched and my muscles were loony tunes and I just slipped out and my knee wrapped around the back of my leg and um, it took me eight months to to come back uh, to be fully in a show again um, so that was hard for me but I took the time to work on other things and um, by other things, I mean like I sang more, and I took the time to do some things that I had been missing. Like I remember making jam. Like I had, I wanted to cook, and you can't do much. So you just accept the healing, and I think the best way to heal is to heal happily, so that your spirit's happy. And you can't really heal with bad energy. So I tried to find a way to do everything I could to heal graciously and happily, and. Part of that was food. <laughs> and then I came back, and, I, and it was fine. And at first, it was a little scary, and it took a few auditions. And then I was in a show and hit the ground running, and I have not had a day off <laughs> since then. Yeah. Maybe sometimes those things come as, like, uh, secret blessings. Where they are. It was that little bit of uh, an extended rest you needed before hitting the ground running for this yeah. extended am amount of time. Exactly right, because right after that, I booked my first off-Broadway show and then during that time I booked my first Broadway show and then I and honestly the trick the, the momentum was crazy and it still is kind of like happening so I needed that downtime yeah it well, was nice well here's to some more running on the ground yes absolutely you rested enough right yeah I oh I, I'll jam. sleep when I'm dead yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of eating and enjoying things like jam I saw that you wrote once that you taste food better when you work out. Oh yeah, I believe in that. I, <laughs> what does that mean? I think that I love that. I I do everything better when I'm. Uh, what's the, I I want to use the right word because I was going to say when you feel like you deserve it, but that's not even it. I think when you are when okay when I because I don't know what other people feel, but when I am. Uh, using my greatest potential and I'm sweating every day and I am I love exerting energy like nothing even just like I do this a lot 
I squeeze everything in my arm because I like the way it feels <laughs> to have everything. Uh, I love that feeling when my muscles are being activated. activated. I, it's sick. I love it. So I want to keep doing that. And, and when I do it, I want it more. And then that makes me breathe deeper. It makes me happier. I can feel things better. Like my senses are heightened. My All my senses are heightened. So I taste food better. I see better. I hear better. I feel this wind better. The sun looks prettier to me. Um, I look better to me. Everything is heightened yeah. when I... So yeah, and I love food. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. You love food. I love food. And so then I yeah. feel like I can eat it too. Yeah. Proudly. What's your favorite? What's your go-to? One of them. Okay, one of my go-tos. I love a Thai situation, like a oh, I you know basic yes pad Thai. There's this like Thai curry noodle soup situation that's like coconut. Oh god, oh. I'm like sweating. Um, <laughs> that's one of my faves. Also, just like a good old spaghetti and meatball. I can oh, get down. Old school. Yeah. I'm really old school. Uh-huh. I also love a wedge salad and like a steakhouse dinner. Okay. So. All right. Definitely, uh, I didn't say pizza, you know? Most people say pizza. I am a, a pizza whore, though. Like, no, I get it. I, I get will, it. Some, you know, old school and sometimes simple is also a way to go. Simple. Like, pizza. Yeah. Classic. Just, mm. Did you see the green book yet? No. You have to see it. Um, I watched it on the flight home from Europe. And anyways, the driver, little mm-hmm. sidebar, he has a whole pizza <laughs> You know, like a slice, people will fold the slice and eat it. He just folds the entire pie and just starts. <laughs> it was epic. It was epic. Uh, but anyways. I so I saw you in a commercial for this thing called Belt Box. Oh, yeah, Belt Box. I, I'm, I never saw it until then. And really? I was, I'm obsessed with it after seeing the commercial. Oh, God, they're amazing. Um, so for those of you listening, you don't know what it is. It's basically like a sound muffler that you put over your face while you may be like uh, like uh, rehearsing for an audition or singing or it's yeah. 8 a.m. and you have a, a final callback and you don't want to wake up your roommate exactly um, and it shuts out so many decibels it's they're amazing do you have any embarrassing or funny moments of like warming up for an audition in public yeah my final callback for frozen um, <laughs> I I really needed to sing a high C really quick. I had warmed up, but I just hadn't gotten that high yet. <laughs> and I needed to go into anywhere and and do that. So I found myself this sad little broom closet at the New Amsterdam Theater, um, which is where they were holding the final callback. And I went in and went, I sang like, you know, I screamed basically. <laughs> And came out, and there were the entire male ensemble, like auditioning for the male ensemble, just like 45 beautiful chorus men were looking at me as I came out and just laughing. Because I, I went in there and I was like, ah! <laughs> I came right, out. right. Anyway, uh, they were like, really, Sarah? That one note? That's <laughs> just hit the one note, and I left, and I didn't know they were all there. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I could think of a more embarrassing one, but I'm, I'm not very embarrassed. Right. So, it, it would, you it could know. be funny, like, oh, that must have been funny for them, you know? Oh, I feel I like... I mean, that was still good. I mean, that was great. I mean, was it? I don't know. <laughs> I can just imagine that you coming out and, like, the whole line of them just starting to applaud you or, like... That would have uh, been a better story. I should have told it that way. Well, let's just... <laughs> you want to go back and say it again and say, and then no. I came out and they all were applauding no, for me. No, because it would be a lie, honey. Uh, I'm actually thinking... 
I don't know if I if I really have anything that's like a warm up story. That's weird. I mean, listen, I I lost my skirt on stage the other day, and that was pretty embarrassing yeah. for really for everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> they had to look at it. Right, right. Sure, right. it made them embarrassed, but yeah, I'm I've like tried to own anything like that. Cause that's great. <laughs> Just wanted to ask after seeing the little commercial about belt box, but. Uh, this was in Kiss Me Kate that you're in right now, right? Yeah. With the shirt. We'll yeah. get to that in a second. Um, but <laughs> I wanted to, this is like getting to know you uh, before we get into kind of like the current stuff. But you, uh, I think it was your resume said that you proudly serve on the advisory board of the Academy of Music and Business based out of Sweden. Is that true? It's not a lie. Yeah, it is true. What is that? Um, I how did that with, happen? I worked with someone who um is in Cirque was he wrote Cirque du Soleil yeah. like wrote Paramore yeah um he wrote some of the songs and he asked me to be on his board uh, and um I don't do too much work for them I do based uh on what is asked of me yeah but yeah I serve on his board um so pretty much when a student needs advising um, especially when it comes to Broadway in New York and stuff, because a lot of them don't have connections there. It's yeah. it's me that uh, me and Reed Kelly, Broadway's Reed Kelly. So the two of us serve on this board, and I like being a part of advisory boards because I have a lot to offer um, students and kids coming through who are new to New York. Yeah. Uh, you were recently married. Yes. Saw fabulous photos. You guys looked wonderful. You wore Leducas at your wedding. Sure Is that did. true? They were my paramour. There were some show shoes. Uh, they were just white and pearl. No thanks. Um, Still no. <laughs> listen, I love comedy. Um, yeah, there were these beautiful white Leducas that I wore when I would go on for Indigo, the lead in Paramore, and I love them. <laughs> I love them so much. You guys met when you were doing the funny thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah in DC. Very cool. Um, which was like six years ago. I was a tiny baby. But yeah, we're married now and it's yes. great. Thank you. I I like, we just did a, so we hadn't done a show together since we met. And then we got to do The Grinch together at the Old Globe this past Christmas. And he played The Grinch and I was like Auntie Who and it was amazing and we got to finally do a show together again, which is so fun. Cool. Yeah. Finally do a show with your person. Yeah. After having met doing that. Yeah, six years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, when did you uh, first get to New York City? And when, let's see, you debuted Paramore in 2016? Yes. Basically, my question's coming, what's our timeline look like? You get to New York City, you're here to chase the dream, and then, like, how does the road lead you to the dream? It took me longer than it takes some people. Um, and I'm proud of that because it makes it taste better. I worked for it, you know, uh, the dream, if you will. So I got here, um, after a summer at the Muni and I booked, um, I, I left immediately to do a regional theater gig. Um, I booked Walnut Street Theater Zanita in the Music Man. So I went out there pretty much immediately after coming here and that kept happening. I would go to, you know, an audition for a regional theater gig, like at Tuts or Tots or, you know, DC Shakespeare Theater. And I booked this awesome show that I really wanted to do with 
a really cool choreographer and then I'd go away or I worked at Paper Mill twice. Um, so I just, I kept leaving the city and I did the Little Mermaid co-production tour that took them to Atlanta and uh, Texas. So I did, all, I have all these regional theater credits. Like I think I worked at 15 regional theaters between my time that I got to New York, which was the day after I graduated and fulfilled a summer at the Muni. And then after that I went just from job to job to job. I was never in town. Um, I would try to stay in town for a minute and then I'd have to leave. So that happened for four years. The last time I was out of town was La Jolla Playhouse. I was doing an out of a Broadway, you know, an out of town run for a show coming to Broadway that never came, and I had a lot of those. I had a lot of times that I had booked a Broadway show, but it didn't come, or uh, you know, I booked it and then the show didn't end up happening, and that happened to me four or five times before, before Paramore. Oh, great! Let's talk about that because I, you know, I love to try to parallel people's career stories with either just life um, or fitness, you know, just because it, they all three are a journey, life, career, fitness. Yeah. And yeah, I just love to hear people's like hiccups, if you will, Yeah. to give people listening something to hold on to yeah. because it's not just, uh, I showed up, no, no, said, no. here I am. And, oh, no. and that was that, you know? No, um, I have been in, room for pretty much every show that's come through this town. Anything I, I could be right for. I was in Final Callback for it and didn't get it. Except for my three Broadway credits. You right. know what I mean? Like there there's so much happening and there are so many things I I wanted to be part of and tried to be part of and it doesn't happen all the time. Um, Tuck Ever I remember thinking I was gonna book Tuck Everlasting, wanting to book it so bad. And I got the call that I didn't book it and I just cried walked down the street and cried and then a couple days later I booked Paramore it just what that wasn't my journey and I didn't know it at the time that that was not what I was supposed to do so th that happens so much but I, I big hiccup was my knee the the knee thing put me out for a long time took me out of a season of auditioning um, and that sucked but that's hard to be in a dancer. Sometimes you get hurt. You gotta pay those dues. Did you stay in the city when you were hurt? Or yes. Yeah. I, I lived in Astoria at the time and I had to commute to the Upper West Side via Uber for my physical therapy <laughs> and it was the most expensive injury of my life. But I really got strong going to West Side Dance Physical Therapy and owe my recuperation to those people. Love them over there. Shout out. Yeah, shout out. Um, so, you make your debut in Paramore, mm -hmm. a very unique show. Yeah, it was weird. Right? Yeah. Um, After like years and years and years of regional theater and an off-Broadway show. Standard time. And then, and then yeah, and then Paramore happened like, we, I slid into Paramore and it was the first time anything like that had been done where Cirque du Soleil was marrying uh, you know a Broadway like musical yeah, theater and it, it was the first time it had ever been done and it didn't happen gracefully because it was the first time it had been done we were pioneers yeah it was tricky we were on different contracts some of us were on uh, actors we were a part of the union um, uh. the equity and <coughs> some of us were a part of um, the, the acrobats were part of a different union so our rules were different and our pay was different and weird 
So in the show, you have 13 different countries represented? Yes. Yeah? I think more at the end. At yeah. the beginning, it was more like 20. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what cultures seem to be your favorite? Like, obviously, the person themselves could, like, play a role in yes. it. But, you know... That, that's exactly what happened. Okay. So, yeah. Tell me a little bit about, like, oh, I, this person made me want to move to Paris yeah. and live or whatever. Um, uh, my best friend who I met, one of my best friends who I met doing Paramore, her name's Amber. She is from Belgium. And she sold Europe to me so hard <laughs> because... She, she was from Belgium and grew up in a small town outside of Antwerp, but had the ease and ability to go to Germany and to be in France when she wanted, to go to the Greek islands when she wanted. She was just so close, so she just gallivanted wherever she wanted um, for, and did a lot of it for, you know, with Sir or through her hand-to-hand. -hand. She, um, she is like a contortionist who balances on other people's hands. Yeah. Um, there was a person named Martin, who I just loved. Um, he and his wife, his wife was Sicilian and he was French. And oh, wow. they, so I got, I hung out with them a lot and had a lot of, uh, now I just really want to go to the coast of, you know, I want to be on the Mediterranean doing what they do, which is just enjoy life. Yeah. The, the, what I really took away from Paramore because of those acrobats and the people from other countries was that there's so much, the world revolves around not just New York City. And actually, Cirque du Soleil, it's like circle around the sun, you know? It's, it's about the actual earth. You know, there's so much more to the world than yeah. just New York. And I have entered that Broadway show feeling like it was all about New York and it was all about Broadway. And I, I just didn't have my priorities straight. And those people taught me that. You know, humanity is more important than Broadway. You know, I was so yeah. cutthroat and I was so ready to be in New York and have this dream that I had planned. But what I really needed to do was take a step back and just enjoy this experience for what it was. Paramore was very different than, um, you know, the other Broadway shows I've done. So I, I really just relaxed into enjoying the people and the time and I tried. Yeah, maybe another blessing in disguise like perspective. Oh, I needed the perspective so bad. It was so time for me to have some perspective in my life. There you go. Yeah. Uh, now you're in the revival of Kiss Me King. Yes. And you just did your cast recording yesterday. Yesterday. Was that your first one that no, you've done? No, it was my second. Okay, so tell, walk us through a, a cast recording day. Uh, okay. A lot of waiting, right? Yeah, lot lots of, like, of waiting. fun times, jumping into the booth. Yes. Um, so... Usually you're at some incredibly, uh, you know, some incredible studio that is known for being a studio where everyone goes to in New York um, to record their albums and stuff, and that's really special. So they're hallowed halls, if you will, and you know, you you get there and your cast is there and everyone's really excited. There's just so much energy and excitement, and they put you in front of a microphone. Usually there's two to a microphone. Um, they don't look like normal microphones, um, and you, you put on some headphones and you're tuned in so you can hear everyone in your cast through the headphones or everyone in that song. And the orchestra's in there and you, you start at the top usually and you, or sometimes not, sometimes you jump around, but you sing the song that you sing every night on Broadway. Um, 
into the mic, and then usually you stop and you have to go back a bunch and record. We really flew through ours because Paul Gemignani, uh, our music director and just champion of a man, I love him. He is famous. He's a legend. And he was like, no, we got it. <laughs> we just moved on, which was cool because in my experience with cast recordings, you know, you kind of do it ad nauseum, but that was not the case this time. And it was really exciting, and I definitely cried during Too Darn Hot a couple times because it just... I know I grew up being obsessed with cast recordings. Um, like Thoroughly Modern Millie was a big one for me, Legally Blonde, all those I kind of learned how to sing from and they shaped and developed my desire to be on Broadway, the Little Mermaid cast recording. Um, so all of those got me and I just know that some kid's gonna listen to Too Darn Hot and hear it and wanna be in theater. And it, I, it was, I was watching him sing it and it was ripping me up. I just. I looked over and I thought I was like, I was kind of embarrassed that I was crying. I looked over and the girl next to me was crying too. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I can cry now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just a really cool moment in time. Uh, that's a great segue for your, you were in Hello Dolly yes. with Bernadette Peters as Dolly or no? Yes. And, and Bet and Donna. Okay, they all just... Oh, that's right. I was there that's, pretty much the entire run. That's right. I, okay, now, yeah. Uh, you also were in this uh, this benefit, right, with Sutton Foster? Yes, for we did Thoroughly Modern Millie, One Night Only. So I'm, I'm bringing this up now, especially after you saying, like, you grew up on cast recordings and you grew up kind of, like, just looking up to these people or having them shape you in some way as you were aspiring to be a performer. You know, how was that? How was that sharing the stage with uh, some of these ladies in those shows? I have like goosebumps on my face talking about it. Um, yeah, they're there. I just, it was everything in the world. Because, especially, this, you know, Bernadette Peters, I, my confirmation name is Bernadette because I was so obsessed with her when I was little. I'm sorry. <laughs> so to be on stage with Bernadette and that, it was everything. It was absolutely everything in the world to me. And every day was that loaded. It was that loaded every day for me. It, it made my job so exciting and fun and also terrifying in a way because there's so much to live up to. I wanted to bring my best self every day. Yeah. And that's hard to do sometimes. But um, the Sutton Foster thing was the coolest thing in the world because I, you know, as someone who grew up listening to Thoroughly Modern Million, I knew every word, and then I got to do the show three times, and then finally got to do it with Sutton the fourth time. I mean, and the original cast. It was, it was everything. It was everything. And um, I'll never, I'll never uh, really come back from that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I One of my first musicals as a kid was Annie Get Your Gun. Ah. So listening to the cast recording to learn my Frank Butler songs, I'm listening to, you know, uh, Bernadette as Annie Oakley mm -hmm. over and over and over again, uh, or her in Into the Woods. Uh. As, yeah, I, I was in that as well as a kid, so you're listening to her over and over and over, over again. Over and over and then gladly. And thir <laughs> Thoroughly Modern Millie, everyone is singing all of their songs for their auditions as a kid. Yep, you know, I did. Everyone. So I sure did. That's really cool. Um, now you're with Kelly O'Hara and, and Kiss Me Kate, so another kind of like stapled name in oh, the business. Yeah. Um, you've said some great things about 
you know, Sutton and Bernadette and what and they Gavin, meant Gavin, I didn't even say Gavin. Gavin who, Creel. Who yeah. I did Dolly with after, and that, you know, that was mind-blowing too. When you've had yourself a career, or maybe still in the midst of it, and you've, you've made that name, you know, what, what would you want to be remembered for from, like, maybe... A Sarah, a Sarah Meal that's your age right now that might be working with you later. Like, who do you hope to become to those girls that you are right now? What a beautiful question. And something I've actually thought about from time to time, and I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm not going to lie. I don't, I haven't figured that out yet. Um, I think if I can stand for anything for future of chorus girls or the future of... <laughs> You know, people who work on Broadway or are loving dance in New York City or anywhere. I guess I, I want them to know that they can just be who they are and they don't have to apologize for that. And they don't need to be a certain way. There's not a way to be. Um, and because I, I, I don't, I've thought about this. I'm not like the best at anything, you know. I'm not the best dancer. I'm not the best singer. I'm not the funniest person in the room. I'm not, I, I'm, but I'm doing what I can, I'm just being me. And that's like literally all we're capable of is just being ourselves. And, um, and I, I'm tired of apologizing for who I am. And I'm tired of other people apologizing for who they are or thinking that they have to apologize for who they are or, or trying to change. I'm, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I have shit. I have baggage. We all do. And I'm proud of it. It's, I, I can't take it back, so I might as well just, that, that's me, that's who I am, and we all have it, and it makes us human, and I'm into being human, I am into humanity, and not pretending like I'm perfect. I'm so tired of pretending, of seeing people who are pretending like they have their life all figured out. I'm so tired of seeing people in, like, you know, filtering their babies on Instagram and all of that. I'm so tired of this perception that we all pretend that we're supposed to be this one way. No, we're all whatever way we want to be. I eat meatloaf for breakfast. I'm not going to pretend that I make like this acai bowl. Like, I don't do that. I love that from Sarah, just saying to be human, to be yourself, to be loving and accepting of yourself, to be real, to be genuine. I can't stress that enough for all of us to do that to not only ourselves, but to everyone else around us to love one another. That's not the end of the interview with Sarah. It actually segues into an interview on my Instagram TV channel. And you can find that on Instagram at Built for the Stage. And you can check out that IGTV link right on my profile. So head on over to Instagram at Built for the Stage to check out the second half of my interview with Sarah Meal. Once again, if you enjoyed, please subscribe, leave a comment, or rate the podcast. It would be greatly appreciated. Have a great one out there. It's me, Roscoe, signing off. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now.
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.